You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Here we go. Happy New Year, everybody. This is episode 30 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Phil DeMott-Mollen is back with me as always. He is the voice, the face behind the Twitter handle, at Announcer Skeds. And Happy New Year to you, Phil, as we kick off 2023 in the Announcer world. How was your New Year? New Year was great. Um, it's great to be back with you, Mike. Um, you know, it's been a tough week, of course, with the DeMar Hamlin um, news and everything surrounding that, but we've got a ton to cover, you know, kind of catching up over that, um, holiday season with the bowls and NBA and so much action across the board, plenty coming up as well, but, you know, thoughts, prayers, and so much of the sports world's attention on DeMar Hamlin's story, obviously. Yeah, it was obviously the start of the week. It happened on Monday, and we will get to some of the coverage and how everything's going. It seems that uh, there has been some positive moves in the right direction, and uh, we will certainly dive into everything that you need to know about how it was covered and uh, moving forward here. First off, remember... We're on the Sports Media Watch feed, and TJ and John did a great job breaking down the coverage as well. So if you'd like to hear their opinions and thoughts on how the uh, the game uh, was covered and the uh, obviously the events that happened afterwards were covered, you can uh, go listen to them uh, on the Sports Media Watch feed. Uh, this is the announcer schedule pods. We generally drop on Thursdays depending on our schedules. Uh, we are recording on Thursday morning today. So we've had a little bit of extra time uh, to process and and see some things and kind of review some things. I've been under the weather, as you might be able to hear in my voice, 
uh, I am trying to get through this week. It has been a rough week uh, for me, but uh, hopefully uh, everybody's having a great 2023. Like, share, rate, review, subscribe. Do all those things that you can do to help out the podcast. The more you like, rate, review, share, subscribe to our feed, uh, the longer we can keep doing the podcast. It really, really helps for you to help us out. Uh, So if you're in the industry and you like hearing about your friends and uh, you know people that would like the podcast, share it with them and let them know. So, Phil, obviously, Monday night we had a football game that many thought was going to be the highlight of the NFL season as the season is starting to wind down. And then a an unbelievably um, rare event happened in that game. Now, it's something that we really haven't seen in the football world before. Uh, I think TJ pointed this out during uh, the Sports Media Watch podcast. It's not unprecedented that something like this has happened in sports, but on live television with that big of an audience on the biggest stage, I don't know that I can recall something of this magnitude. Yeah, and I do want to echo what you said about um, you know TJ and John's podcast, and I encourage listeners to go back. They they recorded that a, a, a couple of days ago Tuesday. and brought up some really good points, you know, including you know the precedent for you know medical emergencies like this, even uh, deaths um, related to, to sports, and you know how those were handled through television coverage, and also um, you know John pointed out a lot of those historical references, as did TJ, and TJ also talked about you know uh, ESPN's decision to go uh, to the studio uh, quite a bit uh, during you know sort of those critical moments versus you know sticking with Buck and Aikman in the booth, both very good points, and you know appreciate those guys breaking down so much of it. As far as me personally, I was actually on the the road. I was driving back from a trip to the uh, Charlotte airport. Uh, back here to Asheville, North Carolina. And I didn't get word until kind of like I, I got home and saw a couple of text messages and kind of rushed upstairs uh, to my place to to tune in. And at that time, Scott Van Pelt had just come on the air. And so I was sort of catching up with things and I was able to look back, um, you know, since as far as, you know, the coverage as it happened with uh, Buck and Aikman and Lisa Salters. And, you know, they handled it, I think, as uh, well as can be. You know, obviously, there's been a lot of discussion over this, you know, five-minute warm-up uh, discrepancy between what the NFL is saying and, and what ESPN is saying. Um, you know, Aikman and Buck uh, not speculating um, and playing it safe. Um, I agree with what they did there. And then, you know, in the studio, uh, they threw it over to Susie Colbert, Booker McFarlane, Adam Schefter. Um, and then I mentioned Scott Van Pelt and Van Pelt worked with Ryan Clark, who had some very emotional and poignant, uh, you know, comments. And then Coley Harvey was used quite a bit as well. And he continues to be used beat reporter Harvey, you know, I've noticed, you know, is getting more and more assignments and, you know, I didn't really know too much about him until, till this story, you know, he had been on, um, reporting duties on the sidelines for, ESPN radio, uh, NFL games for some college football games as well. Uh, I think he had done some baseball, um, on the, um, reporting side of things also. And then he's, you know, really, uh, taken this story and run with it, you know, as far as the reporting side goes, but all in all, you know, like I think ESPN did a, a, a really nice job under some really tough circumstances 
And uh, yeah, you know, there was a, a emotional uh, moment. Lisa Salters talking with Scott Van Pelt, where you really saw her uh, professionalism and also, you know, her humanity in the whole thing shine. Yeah, that was probably the highlight of the coverage here. Let's take a listen to the exchange between Scott Van Pelt and Lisa Salters. Uh, this was on the Sports Center following the event. Things that mean so much. Uh, I, I can't recall an evening quite like this, and I just wonder, first, as a human being, whose job it is to document these games, how, how you would describe what this last hour and a half has been like. It's hard, uh, because like you guys have said, this is, a, this is a human being, and all you can really think about is, you know, I hope, I hope that guy is okay. We, we've seen players go down with head injuries before, and uh, as horrible as that may sound, we've grown accustomed to it, seeing guys take hard hits, uh, see them stay down for a little while, get back up, give the thumbs up. And, mm-hmm. and that's all we were all hoping for was that, that DeMar Hamlin was going to get up and that he was going to get on, in that ambulance, he was going to give us a thumbs up, and we were all going to know that he was okay. And, and, and when that didn't happen, I think this entire stadium was just devastated i mean i mean right now all i can really think about is is that player his teammates just seeing the agony on their faces the concern on their faces they're scared for him right now and they should be uh we all should be Uh, but to see them hugging each other uh down on their knees praying for him his coach the other team their head coach those players uh just to see how much unity and and just unified concern that they all had for this young man. Um, it's been overwhelming. There's a pall over the stadium right now. Uh, like you said, Scott, you come to work. We're expecting to see the game of the season. Uh, and what we got was so terrible. But that doesn't really matter. All that really matters is uh, is Damar Hamlin and his family. And we just can't say it enough that we hope that he's okay. Uh, that was an emotional Lisa Salters there, really uh, just pouring her emotion out on live television there. She uh, basically was just shooken up by what she had just witnessed there. And, Phil, I had a guest on my show who played in the NFL, and I did not know this story before he came on. A uh, gentleman by the name of Joe Valerio, he does my show every Wednesday. He played for the Chiefs. He's a local guy to our area. And he was the right tackle for the Chiefs who was blocking – on the play, Dennis Bird, when Dennis Bird became paralyzed in a game against the Jets back in 1992. And he says, I remember the date, the time, everything. And the result of the conversation as he explained the play and what happened and his thoughts, and then after the play, they resume the game. And he said, you know, you are just out of it the rest of the game. But the one thing that separates is that you got that thumbs up, that he's okay. He's going to make it. And that is where this, I think, was so unprecedented, that you see an injury, and generally there is some sign that that guy's life will continue. And in this instance, I think it was the only time or one of the very, very few times on live television that we weren't really sure. Yeah, uh, well said, and uh, appreciate that, you know, um, reflection there. You know, I don't think people um, realize just how close some of these communities are 
you know, beyond just the the players. You know, when you're Elisa Salters, who's working every single uh, NFL week of the season, has done it for years on those sidelines, she becomes very um, close to a lot of these folks, you know, and she's suddenly seeing friends in absolute distress, you know, and at the same time, she's got to do her job there as, you know, the on location live television reporter of record. That's a very difficult assignment when, when people are that shaken up as they were um, not to mention dealing with your own emotions through the whole thing. And for someone like her, you know, I really tip my hat and then, you know, the, the clip that we played came a little while later, you know, after the game had been suspended and called, you know, um, called and that kind of thing. And uh, Van Pelt then did that, you know, stand up with, uh, you know, Salters did that stand up with Van Pelt. And that's where she, you know, sort of really was able to, to uh, be herself and you could hear her, her heart speak as well. So, um, you know, that, you know, what a, what a class act Lisa Salters is and um, really well done. And Scott Van Pelt, you know, he's been getting all sorts of praise and, you know, I, I agree, you know, did a great job in that anchor role yeah. uh, from that sports center. Well, desk. and, and, you know, to go back to the coverage when it happened, you know, here's one of the things that I find to be very interesting in the society that we live in today. The play happens. If you watch the play, you saw that play a million times this season. Guy catches the ball, safety makes the tackle, everything seems okay, he gets up. Generally at that point is when the fan of today puts their head down to look at their phone to do something. They are distracted because the play is over. How many people didn't see what happened because their head went down to look at their phone? I had multiple people text me, what did I miss? What did I miss? And they missed what actually happened. And it was at that point where, you know, Joe Buck takes over. And, you know, I would, I have broadcast it. My girlfriend said, have you ever been in a situation where you've had to fill this much time? And I said, yeah, I've had things happen, but not to this extent. I mean, you've had equipment malfunction, someone gets hurt, you know, but the trainers come out and they're tending to them, but it's a little longer than normal. This, they go to break, they come back, they go to break again. And at that point, you're thinking, okay, uh, I think Joe Buck was in a situation where, Phil, I'll get your opinion on this because you you study these guys a lot. Buck and Aikman have not had great games this year, and I think they have let their personalities take over a little bit more with these games on Monday night. Buck's been a little bit more freewheeling a little here because the games have not been as high profile for them. So they've been having a little bit more fun. The direct change in his demeanor told me there is something not right, and he knows it, and he is trying to keep himself composed so that the rest of the world doesn't get let in that something possibly tragic has happened. And Troy Aikman's silence, I thought, spoke volumes because I don't know that Troy, as a former player, really knew what to say in that situation. And that's not a bad thing. Don't just say something to say something. And I think they handled it as well as possible. 
They throw it back to the studio. That's where I thought those guys did a fine job, but they were put into a horrible situation. And I, I looked at my girlfriend and I said, this is one of those situations where you had three people probably sitting in the green room and said, hey, we need you on the desk now. And they didn't have the full crew. I thought they could have possibly had somebody behind the scenes call a medical doctor or had someone of that expertise to come on and maybe talk about what they witnessed there instead of having these three people continuously go around in circles and then sending it back to the stadium and then back and forth. I'm not saying they did a bad job. Under the circumstances, I think they handled it great. Could they have done other things? You know, I've heard people say they looked at other coverage and other stations were airing the play. This is a situation where ESPN chose not to air the play. And in a tragic event, a lot of times, you have a lot of B-roll that covers up these people that are just sitting on the television screen. They had no B-roll, really. All they had was a wide shot of the stadium, which was sitting in silence. So it was an awkward visual to sit there and watch. So while I think all the broadcasters did about as well as you could ask, in that event there... You don't have the time to get B-roll, cover up the screen, and do all the things that you get taught when you're in, we had BN-185 at WVU, to learn how to handle a, a tragic event like that. So I think everybody did about as well as possible. And then once they got to Scott Van Pelt is when they really shined. Yeah. Um, you know, that throwing it to the studio for Colbert, McFarlane, and Schefter the whether the game was going to resume or not was still you know in play and this was the game broadcast still you know it wasn't a news program yet even though it was news type coverage and and commentary at that point and you know the hindsight's 2020 20, you know maybe you know they were planning on getting back going who who knows you know obviously you know that five minute report came up in, in that kind of thing also you know it might be a learning to in the in the future kind of have this in your back pocket you know if there is a medical emergency on the field and this ever happens again god forbid this is our plan from a a, a coverage standpoint yeah um, but i agree you know under the circumstances which were very difficult you know and susie colber and the and tj and john talked about her as well i mean talking about a pro's pro you know also um handling that desk uh did a great job and then as for buck and aikman you know the number one you know two things come to mind as you you were describing how they handled it one we talk about letting the play breathe all the time you know, on this show and and uh you know um, letting the, you know, laying out and letting the, the, uh, director do the job. This was an example of that, but completely different than what we're used to. You know, we're used to letting it breathe after a, a big touchdown or a game winning catch or something. You know, this was, you know, because there was little information and also just the stunning nature of what had happened you know, Buck and Aikman chose to to let it breathe there quite a bit. And, you know, the the pictures did speak probably more than any words that they could they could produce at that point. They also didn't speculate as far as what what was going on. And that is what I have always been taught, you know, kind of like 
uh, broadcasting 101, when there's an injured player out there, uh, first, I don't guess who it is until I'm 100% sure, you know, and that that's where kind of like that spotter role that we've talked about comes in until we're like a hundred percent sure that we, cause sometimes you can't see the uniform number when everyone's crowded around a, an injured player. So number one, don't guess who the player is unless you're a hundred percent sure who that is. And then number two, don't speculate or guess what the injury or the nature of the injury might be until you get some official word. Cause you're, you're not a doctor and you're certainly not down there and you know, you don't know what's going on and it's better to play it safe in those situations and wait until you have correct information before you speculate. And, you know, Buck and Aikman uh, did exactly that in terms of not speculating the nature of the deal, but yeah, you all in all, you certainly you know, don't I think want. They did a fine job. You yeah, know, you certainly don't want their family or friends watching this on television and having the announcer speculate. Hey, here's this player. Name him by name and say this is what we think may have happened to this man. And, and that's why you, you just totally leave the speculation out. And I think that was well. Um, um, witnessed by you uh, to, to remember that they did not make that speculation and to bring that out uh, as to, you know, if people are at wondering, well, why didn't they do this and why didn't they say that? Well, you, you don't want to say, hey, this is what we think happened and then be completely wrong. You have their family and friends and inner circle watching that game and think about it. All, that was probably they had the Rose Bowl leading into the biggest Monday night game of the year. This was ESPN's pinnacle event. This probably, you know, to kick off their year, it would probably be the biggest uh, Monday Night Football viewership. They had it on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN2. Because uh, I was wondering, as this was going on, I said, is the Manning cast on? How would they be handling this if the Manning cast was actually on? So I flipped to two. That had the game on. Six ABC. Well, we have six. I don't know what number it is where you live. But six ABC here had the game on as well. So you had three stations that had that game on. They were anticipating huge viewership for that game. So you have to keep that in mind when, when you know, you're talking about what you're watching here. Um, the one hope and wonder is they kept it at that game a while going back and forth and back and forth, you know, where they tried to fit as many commercials in as they could to try to, you know, hey, this is a Monday night game. We need to get these commercial breaks in because they were taking some quick in and outs there where they were really like, I don't know what else. To, like the, the the broadcasters essentially are saying, I don't know what else to say in this situation. We'll be back. I think it was more that rather than we need to get these commercial breaks in. You know, we, we need to get the advertising in. I think it was more we're unsure what the situation is. Let's go to another break, you yeah. know, and, and you do that quite a bit with injuries, you know, you, you see it all the time. I mean, one, it's, it is an opportunity, you know, for a, a stoppage in play and, a, and a, a timeout opportunity to go to break, but also it's a chance to kind of regroup and let's, you know, see what's going on down there and, and see how serious this might be. And when we come back from break, perhaps we'll have some more information, you know, on the, the health of the player. So that, that happens quite commonly with Absolutely. football injuries during during the course of a game. So I think it was a matter of, hey, we don't have any more information. We don't have anything more to say. Let's let's use another break here so we can 
you know, get our, 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 our feet under us again. All right. Um, you know, obviously, again, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Lisa Salter, Susie Colbert, Booger McFarlane, uh, Adam Schefter, Scott Van Pelt, Ryan Clark, who was uh, very candid and, and, and excellent in a, uh, a role there. By the way, not that this matters all that much, but Ryan Clark had been on the television set, you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning doing get up. And here he is at 1030 at night back there. This is common. But just keep in mind that the guy had been there either there all day or had to be called to come back to get there uh, and then say, hey, we know you've been here all day. We need you to get back here to talk about this event. Uh, Coley Harvey, who you mentioned still on it, Ben Baby and Alana Getzenberg, who's the Bills reporter. Ben Baby covers the uh, the Bengals. Um, yeah, I, I, the one thing I would say is the Susie Colbert, Booger McFarlane, Adam Schefter were put in maybe the worst position of everybody. Hey, you three, we need you to get up there and, and go. You know, and they're in roles. Susie Colbert, uh, Adam Schefter, he's a newsbreaker. He, he's not there to give an opinion generally or to kind of give background on, hey, this is stuff that's happened. He's a newsbreaker, and, and here he is up there just trying to, you know, almost fill some time to let the others, you know, let her redirect stuff and let Booger kind of get a breather from what he has to keep kind of regurgitating because they're just there. So it was a tough spot that I thought they handled well. I thought maybe the behind-the-scenes stuff could have – gotten them some help maybe some other guests how many different athletes do they have in the rolodex that they could say hey have you ever been involved in a game where there's been a major you know i had a guy on my show yesterday and told an unbelievable story that yeah. really added to how the players take it because here's the thing phil moving forward here because everybody's talking about what to do with this game now and what it means and the standings we always move on because we get some sign that it's okay to move on. And that was Joe's point, was when you saw that thumbs up from Bird, you knew, okay, he's going to make it. He's okay. And that was really the difference here, where these guys just could not go on because they didn't have any resolve. Um, to, to have someone maybe say, and, and Joe did admit, hey, the rest of that game I played in a fog. I know that I just was blocking a guy who may never play again. You know, and, and, you know, but that's what we do. We, we go on, but we knew that he would at least be alive tomorrow. This, this guy, we were not sure. And while things are moving in a positive direction, it sounds and feels like that is good news that we have here on the Thursday uh, recording of the Announcer Schedules podcast. Do we have any follow-up before we kind of go on and uh, highlight some of the great stuff that has been done in our industry? No, I, th- I think we, we covered it well. You know, I I know there's been plenty more, you know, media covering this story and, you know, appreciate all their hard work um, bringing the public, you know, the, the latest information in in that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, you know, um, you, you mentioned that the ESPN crew that night, uh, what a situation they were suddenly thrown in. They thought they were covering a game. The other thought that comes to mind is sometimes, you know, Colbert, McFarlane, Schefter are on site for a lot of those Monday night football games as far as that that studio team. And, they, you know, this time they were they were back at the, the you know, the studio. They weren't at the game. Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of, you know, curious, you know, sort of like a uh, hypothetical, you know, how that might have been different if they were well, there. Well, and keep in mind, Phil, it's the holiday season. People are all over the place because you're right. A game of that magnitude, 
I mean, the Monday Night Crew is generally Steve Young and and uh, Randy Moss. I don't know if Moss still does it, but they have uh, Robert Griffin the Third. I think is there. You mentioned the Robert Griffin the Third. Um, we, we had talked yesterday, Phil and I. There's a story about Robert Griffin the Third that we'll get to in a little bit here, but. They usually have more of an ensemble, and they're at the venue. A game of this magnitude for them not to be there was a little bit of an odd situation as well. I mean, they're there when the Titans play the Texans, but not when the Bills played the Bengals was a little odd. It might have been a easier situation for them had they been, because then they could have got the feel of what was going on in that stadium. They're in New York in a studio. They don't know what the feeling is. That is where I think TJ brought this up, where Joe Buck is in the stadium. He can get you a better feel of this place is hush right now. And people are, you know, they're in their seats. They're not leaving. And because they're, you know, and there was some, you know, why did they suspend the game? The five-minute thing. You know, I've heard some stuff that said they don't want to cancel the game immediately because they don't want everyone to be flocking for the exits. They want the roads to be clear so that the medical team can get out of the stadium, stuff like that. I I don't – listen, I've talked to people who cover Troy Vincent and know him pretty well and said they would be shocked to think that Troy Vincent is lying on the record. I don't know who to believe in this situation. It's hard to believe that Joe Buck – a professional of his magnitude just went rogue and said, this is information that I got. I have a real hard time believing that. Yeah, especially how conservative they're playing it and no speculation. <laughs> Why in the world would they, and they by make the way, fabricate Phil, something? By yeah. the way, Westwood One Radio also had the same information. Yep. Yep. So it obviously came from somewhere official, you know, at that level, you don't go with anything, especially in circumstances like that, unless, you know, it's coming from a, uh, you know, official source. So, right. you know, I know there's been some follow up stories as far as what exactly happened there. The The final thing I'll add is kind of back to if, you know, the, the studio um, pregame and, and halftime team was at the stadium. Um, you know, maybe you can use Schefter in a different role uh, slightly as well, where he can get into that news breaking and get in the kind of into the the weeds a little more as far as what the latest is from the NFL and, you know, that whole five minute deal and that kind of thing. You would have one more resource there with all his sources um, on site, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. they were in a studio and they were, you know, limited as far as what they could provide from there. Yeah, I do have, by the way, the Westwood one and I believe ESPN Deportes call uh, of them calling the five-minute warm-up. Nos está diciendo ya la, la liga que le dieron cinco minutos para que calienten otra vez y que se reanude el partido. PR on the field um, and was transported to a local hospital. The game between the Bills and the Bengals was suspended for the moment uh, after both teams were told initially that maybe they'll get back out on the field after a five-minute delay. Both coaches met, as did the officials. Bills coach Sean McDermott sent his team to the locker room. All right, so that's Rich Eisen, obviously, uh, for Westwood 1. And you heard the ESPN Deportes call. So even the Deportes got the same information. So. Yeah, so it, it was relayed somewhere, you know, officially up there, you know, to the to the broadcast partners. So, um, yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, all in all, a, a difficult 
night, just not just for the the broadcasters, obviously everybody involved. You know, thoughts and prayers continue to 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 go towards um, you know Demar Hamlin, his his family, his friends, the the Buffalo Bills, all the fans who've been you know torn up on this. And um, yeah, you know, hopefully, uh, bet, better news and, and um, continuing encouraging news. Hopefully, will follow. Okay, some encouraging news is the uh, work of some of our uh, report uh, broadcasters out there, and that was with the college football playoff that we were treated to uh, on New Year's Eve. We had uh, obviously for the first time, really ever, two good games in the same day. Yeah, I mean, what a night uh, that that New Year's Eve in terms of how those games delivered. You know, um, John Lewis has talked about this a bunch. You know, as far as you know, the the quality of those semifinal games really dictating you know what the ratings would be like. And we had a couple of thrillers. You know, the the second of the two games, Ohio State missing a field goal as Georgia wins the the Peach Bowl, and as the you know, uh, countdown to, to New Year's Day uh, hit zero at the same time. A wild uh, occurrence. From 50 for the win in a spot in the national championship game. It's on the way. No good. He hooked it. And Georgia is going to survive. At the stroke of midnight. The first few seconds of 2023, Ohio State falls one kick short. And C.J. Stroud's tremendous effort for touchdown 50. All right, so that's Chris Fowler on the uh, ABC call there, Kirk Herbstreet, of course, as well. So as a, a, there's been Twitter videos of the ball dropping and the kick at the same time. It was just unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, there's the uh, the missed kick uh, as we uh, basically look to crown a champion. The, um, you know, wild game that, that comes down to the, the final play like that. And, um, yeah, Chris Fowler delivering it there for, for ESPN. And then earlier, the TCU-Michigan game, equally exciting and, you know, uh, just a, a, a wild affair as well in Glendale, Arizona. But we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier RG3, Robert Griffin the the third, you know, who we've talked about quite a bit, you know, this season. He was part of the one of the mega cast offerings. You know, he was down on the field, um, this offering called Field Pass, where the announcers in this case are field level. Um, they're kind of using quite a bit of humor and and you know, uh it's a loose uh approach to the broadcast as far as this mega cast offering. And then in the middle of the game. Griffin starts taking a phone call, and uh, yeah, wild what happened from there. Get him I, will the give, I will give the Michigan players credit. They have answered time and time. Really? What, yeah, are, we, what are we doing? In the middle of the game. Sorry, guys. Uh, What's he doing? I got to go. Wife is the one to the labor. bathroom? Absolutely. Let's go, baby. Wait a minute. Congratulations, Tony. Oh, let's go. Oh, oh, yes. three. Let's go to Get, him. Get out of here. And we got P.I. And we, oh, there he goes. Take the ball. Oh, he's out. Oh, I got it. He's out. He hit the pad. Got it. Okay. I wasn't going to steal it. Calm down. He's gone. Ball boy That's was it. panicking. RG3. Wait a minute. He's officially out Get him. Of the house. Get him going out of here. He's hey, There's a cameraman chasing him right now. He's Sprint. much slower than RG. Yeah, there you go. So RG3 is on the go. He thinks he's having a baby. Yeah, he takes. We need the Kevin Harlan to do the play-by-play for that. <laughs> That's right. That would have. The been, man is on the awesome. sidelines. The f- cameraman is chasing him. 
That's right. Yeah. His, his wife calls. Uh, she's in labor. He literally drops everything on live television, starts sprinting using his athletic skills. We saw him sprint up to the broadcast booth, if you if you remember that, earlier in the season. So uh, not the first time he's uh, sprinted with a suit on at, at, at the game, but he's sprinting out of the stadium. They're, they're providing the play-by-play. That was Cole Kubelik, by the way, who said, what are we doing here? We're in the middle of the game. What is he doing? He's taking a phone call. Well, guess what happened? You know, uh, false alarm. You know, so he he gets on a, a flight. He's trying to figure out how to get from uh, the Phoenix area to Orlando, Florida, where he and his wife reside. Uh, Southwest Airlines, of all, uh, you know, uh, organizations who's been under a lot of scrutiny for their issues, uh, was able to provide uh, such flight. And he gets there to Orlando and it's a false alarm, you know, uh, baby uh, not delivered, um, you know, uh, to be determined as far as, you know, when the, the newest addition to the, the Griffin family comes. And so what does he do? He gets back on a plane the next day and heads to Dallas uh, to call the Cotton Bowl. Um, so just a, a wild, uh, stretch there, uh, for Robert Griffin, the third, and, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad everybody's in, in, in good spirits about and that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, just kind of, kind of cool to see that human moment happen, you know, on live TV. Yeah. And that's, uh, something that we're going to talk about maybe in a future, uh, uh, episode of the announcer schedule podcast, you know, of, you know, that type of broadcast there, we saw the barstool bowl. And we wanted to talk a little bit more about their broadcast style of that game. And is that something, you know, similar to this megacast where you just have a bunch of guys on the sideline just kind of hamming it up? Uh, Their broadcast is a little different. They do have a real play-by-player who is trying to call the game game as well as he can. Uh, And then, of course, you have Dave and Big Cat really just interjecting, you know. Uh, Is that a type of broadcast? So we'll we'll have a segment on that in a future episode. Uh, of announcer schedules. All right, January two bowl games. We had uh, the playoff games, but we had some really good finishes. Yeah, you know. So just one last note on that that mega cast. You know, and also you know you me- you mentioned Barstool doing their thing with that Arizona bowl, but the mega cast offerings. You know, for the semifinals, we'll also see them again for the championship game. Uh, there's no coaches' film room this year. You know, so. You know, that was something I, I enjoyed, you know, in, in past seasons, but there's uh, no film room this year. But, you know, they do have that field pass offering that we mentioned, hometown radio calls, you know, on, um, you know, different channels. So you're able to hear the uh, home uh, team radio for for each uh, school playing. And then also they had the all 22 feed. And what they did there was they um, overlaid the ESPN radio call atop the all 22 feet. And that's actually where I settled in the most, you know, all 22s where you've got a camera shot of the exactly what it sounds, all 22 uh, players on the field at the same time. So I was able to get that vantage point, but also listen to, you know, um, you know, uh, former guest of the podcast, Mark Kestisher on, on one of the calls, uh, Joe Tessitore did the other game. And so uh, those will be the offerings for the championship game as well. And then, as you mentioned, you know, January 2nd uh, became kind of the, a traditional uh, bowl day after January 1st, Sunday was reserved for the NFL. There was all sorts of exciting games. Uh, the ReliaQuest Bowl down in Tampa, Mississippi State, all the Mike Leach tributes. Uh, Dave Fleming was on the call for that one. TJ Reeves, uh, our, our partner on the, the podcast feed, uh, did a local radio call 
on, on that one as well. Tulane, USC in the Sugar Bowl. That's the game that RG3 hustled back to um, alongside Mark Jones uh, on play-by-play. And uh, that was a, an absolute wild game that was a lot of fun as well. Yeah, and uh, obviously we had more bowls uh, December 30th before the new year, so we had stuff going back there as well. And then we have uh, college football championships still coming up. Yeah, so yeah, back on December 30th, there was a couple great games also. Pitt over UCLA. That was, you know, the lone bowl on CBS with uh, Brad Nestler, Gary Danielson, and Jenny Dell. Uh, Also, you had that uh, big Orange Bowl matchup, Tennessee uh, defeating Clemson. Joe Tessitore and Greg McElroy had that game. Also, that Barstool game went down on December 30th. And then looking ahead, as you mentioned, you know, this weekend, the FCS Championship. Um, same old, same old with North Dakota State in it uh, uh, versus South Dakota State. That'll be an e- ABC game with Roy Philpot, Andre Ware, um, Jay Walker, and Paul Carcaterra on the call. And then Westwood One is covering that as well with Ted Emmerich and Derek Rackley. And then Monday, January 9th, we mentioned the megacast offerings, the main feed, ESPN, Fowler, Herb Street. Row and Molly McGrath on the sidelines for TCU in Georgia. And then the ESPN radio team, McDonough, Todd Blackledge, Chris Budden, and Ian Fitzsimmons. So, uh, you know, um, obviously, you know, some universal rap, all, all encompassing coverage of that TCU Georgia game. And, you know, it's always kind of a bittersweet night for me. I love college football so much, but it's kind of the last chance to soak it up, you know, this Monday night. Yeah. And I, before we roll to the next uh, topic list, I wanted to give a local call a shout out because I thought this was maybe the biggest win of the bowl season. You know, USC is an iconic brand in football. I don't know how many people out there know where Tulane even is. I mean, yeah, if you're a college sports fan, you may know it's in New Orleans. But if I just say, where's Tulane? Some people might say, what are you even talking about? Yes, Tulane football beat USC. And Corey Glor, Steve Berrios, and Matty Hudak is the sideline reporter had the call on Tulane radio. Two seconds left. Snap. Williams over the middle. Toss back. Running around towards the 10 to the right. Knocked down. Williams has it back. He's ripped around still on the ground at the 5. Still escaping to the right. Chucks it to the right where it's caught by Jones down the sideline. Back over to the middle. A lineman has it. Now swing it out to the left. Bynum now to the sideline. It's loose on the sideline. It's It's over. over. It's over. Tulane has done it. Unbelievable. It's the biggest win all time for the Tulane Green Wave. And a stunning comeback knocks off USC. 46-45. Unbelievable. What a win. What a game. Oh, brother, this is just incredible. The magic season continues. And Tulane is going to take the stage. Unreal. This is just unreal. All right, there you heard it. Uh, Corey uh, Glor's voice, I mean, he can't even contain it, crack it left and right because of the excitement. Steve Berrios has been on that broadcast, I think, for like 40 years. I called a game in Tulane one time. What a great campus in a city. Uh, you know, it's out there. And Maddie Hudak, I don't know how many people are familiar. She's the sideline reporter and just loves her job. If you follow her on social media, 
uh, is just into these games. She documents everything. It was just a tremendous story to see Tulane beat USC in football. Yeah, they went from 2 and 10 last year to 12 and 2. What a turnaround for Tulane and then beating, you know, mighty USC in the the Cotton Bowl. Um I also have done a game down there um, you know, for ESPN behind the scenes um doing stats work at Tulane Stadium and yeah, it's a great environment there, but it's worth noting, I mean, it's a pretty small budget operation can compared to these big SEC and Pac-12 and Big Ten schools and that kind of thing. So, I mean, this was a major uh, upset and eye-opener. Tulane, you know, has has suddenly arrived on the college football landscape. All right, uh, let's crank it into high gear here. Down the stretch we come. NBA had their big day. We haven't noted that. Yeah, so NBA, Christmas Day, you know, they had to go up against the NFL. Uh, TJ and John, two podcasts back, talked quite a bit about, you know, kind of that head-to-head um, you know, day in terms of the, the ratings. Um, they ended up doing pretty well, all said and done, the NBA. And, you know, one note in particular, and John Lewis is who pointed this one out, uh, because J.J. Redick was on the call of one game. Um, Hubie Brown uh, was was uh, call in action as well. Redick is 38 years old. He's the youngest uh, NBA game analyst for ESPN. Hubie Brown is 89 years old. And just to put it in perspective, if J.J. Redick, uh, works to the age that Hubie Brown is now. He'll be calling games in 2073, you know, which is uh, just a, a mind-boggling uh, date, you know, in the future. So hat tip to John Lewis uh, kind of figuring uh, out those numbers. But, uh, yeah, you know, another Christmas Day with the with the NBA, which was a lot of fun. And, you know, we'll, we'll turn our attention that much further on the NBA as, as we move forward here, of uh, course. Phil, we had the Winter Classic, kind of one of their – headline days uh, for uh, them at uh, Fenway Park. Yeah, so the Winter Classic went down. Uh, that coverage was over on TNT and Fenway Park. You know, some great images there, um, you know, and uh, Kenny Albert kind of handling, you know, a lot of the, the duties there, of course, on the play-by-play side. But the entire TNT NHL team was all, you know, descended upon uh, Fenway Park. And, you know, cool to see that go down. And then we've got some more hockey this week. If you're tuning in uh, later this evening on Thursday night, um, you know, Washington's at Columbus. Bob Wischusen, who's been on a, a wild run himself in terms of travel this past week, bowl games, uh, Jets, uh, you know, NHL games. He'll be on the call again with Don Moore and Emily Kaplan. And then uh, another former guest of the podcast, just like was choosing Roxy Bernstein will be making his, um, you know, season debut in terms of NHL coverage. Uh, he did a couple games uh, late in the season last year. He'll be on the uh, Hulu ESPN plus package San Jose at Anaheim on Friday night. Yeah. And by the way, you mentioned uh, the winter classic, John Forslund, who was our first guest, He'll get to call it next year because it's going to be in Seattle for the Kraken. He is the Kraken hometown broadcaster. You can go back in our archives and listen to John Forslund, who also does national radio for Sports USA. They have the Stanley Cup. Let's get into the NFL. Week 18, uh, Saturday, we've got two games. Sunday, 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock. What are the pairings looking like? Because this is a big week. Yeah, obviously a a big week. You know, um, things were kind of – you know, in limbo for a minute there, it seemed like. But uh, Saturday, two games, Chiefs and Raiders on ESPN. That's that uh, Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, 
Dan Orlovsky, uh, Lauren Rutledge on the sideline. So that second ESPN crew gets that game on Saturday, you know, a standalone game. And then Saturday night, Titans at Jags. That's the uh, Buck Aikman and Salters crew. You know, their first game, obviously, back after, you know, uh, what had happened this past Monday night. And, you know, kind of to me from the announcing side, the first games that my attention go to are, the ones involving the Bills and the Bengals, uh, Patriots at Bills on CBS at one o'clock on Sunday. That's Nance, Romo, and Wolfson. So the number one CBS crew will have those duties as far as um, you know everything going on in Buffalo, not just that that ball game, of course. And then Ravens at Bengals. Kevin Harlan, Trent Green, and Melanie Collins on the call. Harlan was on that Westwood One call in Cincinnati, so he, he'll have back to back games in Cincinnati, and you know we'll certainly you know uh, be there to provide perspective. Also, a couple other notables: Jets, Dolphins. That's Joe Davis, Daryl Johnston, Pam Oliver, Panthers. And Saints, Jason Benetti getting another game here, another NFL game. He's going to be paired with Matt Millen this time. Uh, Benetti made his NFL debut last this past Sunday with Brady Quinn as his analyst for Cardinals Falcons. So we'll see Benetti again in a NFL play-by-play role. And then, you know, later four o'clock games include uh, Giants and Eagles, Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, Evan Washburn, and Cowboys and Commanders. That's the uh, number one Fox team, Burkhart, Olsen, Andrews, and Rinaldi. Yeah, so uh, we've got the final week of the NFL season. Down the stretch they come. Uh, and then real quick, uh, the games on radio, of course, uh, Westwood won. There is no more Thursday night football, uh, so they will have uh, the Saturday games. Bill Rosinski and Ross Tucker are doing the Chiefs and Raiders. Tom McCarthy, former guest of the podcast, and Jason McCourty, they get that Titans-Jaguars game. So McCarthy and McCourty. And then on uh, Sunday night, it's Lions-Packers. That's going to be Ryan Radke and Mike Golick Sr., uh, who are going to be doing that game. So uh, that is your Westwood One pairings uh, for this final weekend. They have those Saturday games. And then uh, you get, the, of course, Compass Media, who does the games. Uh, there's a couple of games that Compass has on Saturday. I don't know that they gave me the the – uh, I do have that. It is – nope, this is from last week. Do I have this week? Yes. Uh, Jets-Dolphins is going to be Chris Carino and Brian Baldinger. And then the Kevin Ray-Danny White do that Cowboys-Commander. So they only have the one game uh, for Week 18 this week. So there you go. And I have ESPN Radio as well for us uh, this weekend – Mike uh, Brown, Steelers, uh, Chris Carlin, and Tom Ramsey on the call of that one. And Ram Seahawks, Mike Cousins, and Kelly Stoffer. There we go. All right. So uh, on the fly, we're finding – I'm going through emails real fast because uh, we do carry uh, all of the different networks. But because of the delay in some of this stuff, we weren't getting uh, some of the information as quickly as we normally do. But uh, uh, all right. Um 2023 is here, and we did look back at 2022 uh, in our last Announcer Schedule podcast, episode 29, uh, but some of our listeners uh, of the podcast reached out to us uh, and mentioned a couple of things that we may have missed. Yeah, so um, we did an in-memoriam uh, for 2022 as far as the, you know, the, the the Giants and sports broadcasting who, you know, we unfortunately lost and who passed away the, this past year. John Clayton, Len Dawson, Ron Franklin, Hank Goldberg, Fred Hickman, 
Alan Massingale, Dave McClellan, Bill Russell, Vin Scully, Tony Siragusa, Dick Versace, Grant Wall, and Tom Weiskopf. And, you know, some of our listeners and followers uh, pointed out a couple others that I'd like to mention as well. I really appreciate them um, bringing these to our attention. Peter McNabb, um, a hockey announcer um, who was a, a pretty uh, – prolific player back in the day as well but he was the colorado avalanches color commentator since their inaugural season uh he uh passed away this past november um gino capaletti um he worked alongside gil santos as the color commentator for the patriots radio broadcast um you know for for several years uh 28 seasons i believe you know longest radio tandem in modern nfl history um he also called the hail flutie game uh for the eagles broadcast as the color commentator um so that is a, a timeless call um he um passed away as well and then donald west a television personality, professional wrestling broadcaster, uh, impact wrestling uh, commentator uh, passed away also. So really appreciate our listeners pointing those names out. I, I do want to mention on the Don West, uh, if you're not a wrestling fan, you may not know him, but uh, I was listening to the Jeff Jarrett podcast with Conrad Thompson, Conrad who does a great job on, on podcast forms. They are actually doing a whole show on Don West. Uh, their next episode, I think, is going to be a whole show on Don West, and I heard a little bit of Jeff's podcast this week, and he just went on and he just could not say enough nice things about what it was like to work with Don West, and he basically said he was the guy that everyone wanted to work with. They, they would request, can I work with Don West? Uh, so I, I implore you, if you're a wrestling fan, uh, Conrad and Jeff are going to do a whole podcast on Don West. I think that's their next episode coming up. Very cool. One more I wanted to mention, um, obviously, you know, some more just, I mean, there's been so many uh, huge news stories you know, these last couple of weeks, but, you know, the passing of Pele, you know, um, considered one of the, the world's greatest athletes of, of all time. You know, he comes up in that discussion with names like Muhammad Ali and Babe Ruth and that kind of thing. Uh, he passed away. Actually, as we're, we're, we're taping here on Thursday, the big funeral is happening down in Brazil. But what people might not realize is that he had um, a bit of a career as a broadcaster. And I actually got to brush shoulders with him slightly. In 1994, I was uh, hitting some World Cup games. I was on on a uh, post-college, you know, cross-country road trip. And my friend and I were at a Brazil-Netherlands um, World Cup game at the old Cotton Bowl in Dallas. And we were walking to our seats, and there was Pele um, out in the concourse at what was their broadcast location for Globo TV network, uh, the Brazilian television, um, you know, feed. And we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about world cup coverage, how these broadcast teams are actually out there in the stands next to the fans, you know, versus all in the press box. And part of it is there's so many, uh, different countries calling these games that that's where they are. And I saw Pele, I was like, you know, like three feet away from Pele. And I, I was blown away, you know, at, you know, as somebody in my, my early 20s, you know, who had just idolized this guy over over time to see him that up close and personal. But he did broadcast that entire 1994 
run um, you know, for Brazil, where they ended up winning that World Cup that was played on American soil. So just wanted to, to um, you know, take note of Pele and, you know, lost and, you know, all the huge tributes to him was this, you know, broadcasting career of his. Well, we hit on a lot of things. I think the coverage of the Hamlin stuff in the beginning, um, we, we really went a little longer on that. Uh, so maybe we quickly got to some of the pairings, but we fit it all in, mentioned a lot of people. If we uh, have some other things we're going to get to in episode 31 next week. Uh, we have some guests possibly lined up that we'll uh, bring in, but we wanted to focus a little bit more on that event and, and the coverage of it. And I think um, you can listen to TJ and John on the Sports Media Watch and, of course, uh, all the different uh, offerings on the Sports Media Watch feed. Like, rate, review, subscribe to the feed. It helps out a lot uh, to let us continue to do this. Um, Phil, Happy New Year to you. And uh, I guess that's it for episode 30 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. Yep. Happy New Year, uh, Mike, and, and appreciate all of our, our listeners for continuing to to tune in. And um, yeah, again, our, our um, prayers are with uh, DeMar Hamlin, his family, everybody affected by, you know, what's been a, a really tough situation, obviously. And um, again, um you know, we're also thinking about the broadcasters who've really, you know, had to work hard uh, this week. You know, and, uh, you know, media who's who's covering this story as well. So appreciate their their hard work. And um, yeah, looking forward to episode thirty one and recapping even more. All right, we'll have that for you next week uh, right here on the uh, Sports Media Watch feed. This is the Announcer Schedules Podcast, episode thirty. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big